0: This podcast is a production of WCWP, LIU Post Public Radio. Check out our lineup of original programs, listen live, or support by visiting WCWP.org.
1: Rock Paper Pixels. I am Patrick Avioli, and welcome to Rock Paper Pixels. Our guest today is an instructional designer, an audio engineer, a developer. An academic, an alumni of LIU Post, and the Senior Director of Online Technology and Instructional Design at Galen College of Nursing, he has also authored Preparing for a Career in Media and Design, published by Pearson Hall. Please help me welcome LIU Post IMA alumni, class of 2006, Mr. Steve Carnial. Hi, Stephen. Thank you for doing this.
0: Thank you for having me, Pat. 2006, it doesn't seem like it's been that long.
1: I know. I looked it up. I was like, there's no way this guy's been out for 12 years. And in today's topic, we want to talk about the future of online education. Uh, one of the things that I've been adamant about since the 90s, my master's thesis was on the use of new media in higher education. And how this hasn't happened yet, We're going well, in some cases it has. Galen, is that the correct pronunciation? Yes, correct. Galen is, uh, in, under your leadership, I like to think, uh, is at the forefront of the beginning of online education. I mean, I've been talking to you about this for years, and I think it's amazing how far you've gone and, uh, and how far many schools have gone, starting with things like edX, right? I mean, that is Khan Academy, edX, Coursera, Udemy, Udemy, whatever they play, the way they pronounce it. This is such a potential growth area. The fact that it's not growing faster is to me one, one of the most uh, just strange things. Like, why isn't this really moving? But I want to start off with you with a little bit of a short bio and career path and and get to where you are today. Is that okay? Sure. Go right so, there, Steve. so out of
0: college, I started out as an audio engineer, and I took an adjunct teaching position at the Catherine Gibbs School, which is no longer around, but mm-hmm. uh, teaching audio editing and then uh, some video, and I started getting teaching Photoshop and career development, which actually became a passion of mine. Uh, while I was there, I actually signed up for your IMA program at post and it was a uh, a huge life changer for me and has helped set the groundwork
1: for the path that I'm on today people are think I'm paying all you guys to say this no i, I mean no, I this is not, consistent across the board with I, every one of the alumni
0: i know i certainly would not be where i am today without that experience that's for sure it's nice to hear uh, in fact my textbook that i got published from pearson actually was a result of my thesis project so i started writing my thesis project and a uh, publisher from uh, the Pearson was doing a book tour thing with it and they handed out some forms. Are you interested in writing a book? I wrote down the topic of my thesis and they called me. I so know. my book would not have been published if it wasn't for the thesis I was doing in your program.
1: I don't know what to say. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. And that's, you know, you're a teacher. You may th- you think of yourself as an admin, but you're really a teacher because of your passion and I can see it. I've known you for over a decade and I know it's there. That is the payoff. Yeah. That is so, the total payoff.
0: And then, after uh, I was full time there, and then I was also adjuncting a Post for a little while in, in your program after I graduated. And then I went over to Lincoln Educational Services to help them start off their online program. I had a um, former colleague from Gibbs who went over there and uh, invited me to join them over there. And I was there for four years, and then I went over, a little more than four years, and I went over to Galen about eight years ago. In fact, in July, it'll be eight years. Helped them start their online program I was part of a, a team that was involved in that. And we've gone from, when I joined Galen, they had five online courses that were faculty created in the arts and sciences area with 100 students enrolled, to now we have a total of uh, 5,100 total students across all four campuses we have our RN to BSN program is 100% online. It's a, um, our, our ADN bridge program, which is uh, students who already have an L an LPN or an LVN license can come on and take their, uh, the, get their RN degree, then their associates. Um, and they can do that online or at least in hybrid format. And then all of our ground classes are web enhanced. So it's been a long journey, but Online education is threaded in every element of our education there, Galen, and uh, in nursing education is especially challenging.
1: Yes, that's exactly. That's really the point I want to bring up. Oh, it's yeah. such a hands-on field. How do you do this in distance? And we're going to talk more about it. We're in no rush. We've only been talking for a couple of minutes. I got time. I think it's me. I, I just want to bring one thing up and I guess this goes some personal friends with you and I shouldn't do this, but I love how you answered. I because I asked him a little survey here. What's your passion project? And you basically wrote Zoe. Okay. <laughs> Zoe is your passion project. My, my I'm not going to go off topic with that, but the work life balance is really what I'm bringing up. Okay. And that's a fantastic thing that that's in your face. And that you're yeah. always thinking about that. That's a wonder and I think this is what remote allows for.
0: Yeah. So I'm actually a remote employee, Galen. They're in Kentucky. Oh. Uh, my entire team of instructional designers and media developers all work remote. And we are one of the most productive departments at the
1: college. Uh well, they say the, the fish stinks from the head down. <laughs> so if you're the one driving the bus and they're the most productive, that's a good sign.
0: Yeah, no, we have a very good team of people who just are very passionate about what they do and uh, are educators, and you know they're just happy to do it. So to have an opportunity to work from home is, is creates a really nice work life balance.
1: Yeah, and I think when you, you know, I had Dr. Michael Hines on, uh, and one of the things he said is he's wonderful. He's a superintendent of Patchogue Medford, and he is having Sir Ken Robinson actually come to Patchogue Medford. Think about that for a second. Uh, but he, in talking to him, one of the things he said was uh, it's about the factor of teaching. He's a superintendent now. He was a teacher, teacher. And he said, "It's never if it's a job for you, it's the wrong job. And if it's a passion that you want to help people go forward in life, it's the right job. And I think if you find that team, as you're saying right now, and put that together, it's almost like unstoppable. Yeah. It, it really and it's a great thing and it makes every day a joy. A joy working together to do something.
0: What what also makes my job enjoyable and Galen so successful in online is how it's been embraced at the college. Our CEO, our CFO invests significant money and resources into development. Our entire leadership from our academic president, provost, and our our vice presidents are all extremely vested in what we do. And uh, we become a driving force at the college because it's been embraced at every single level.
1: Is it a core revenue
0: for the college? Um, It's a piece of it. I don't, you know, it's not our largest population is still on ground. Okay. But the technology being intertwined throughout the entire college – is you know I don't know if you can really separate that. I can't say that that's a revenue driver versus because it's
1: just part of what we do. Yeah, no. I, what what I'm really saying is, as you know, we always have to look at this stuff as business, right? Yeah. So the question becomes, uh, when you look at cost versus you know payback uh, revenue, that I would imagine that the percentage is the margins are so much higher. You don't have classroom. You don't have Facilities, you don't have all of these things, and I'm sure there's a discount. I don't want to get into numbers with you. It's not your your place to talk about that, but I'm always uh, amazed at the virtue that this would have. On top of that financial virtue, something I always wanted to do when I was, uh, you know, the master's program here was to be able to do this so that we could get students from whatever time zone was similar, or we could work with them, and they didn't have to leave their homes, they didn't have to leave their countries. They didn't have to deal with I-20s. They didn't have to deal with visas. They could be part of this group and interchange as simply as we're doing today with Zoom. And that's, I think, where the growth is going to be. And <clears throat> One of the things I wanted to ask you was, original function with Lincoln was just writing curriculum?
0: No, I started out as... Um uh, as, uh, like basically a, uh, like a chair, but it wasn't, they had a different title for Working. it at the time. Um, but then within nine months they moved me over to the, become the, 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 Dean, um, uh, of the online campus and the, uh, um, director of online education, but it was very small. We only had a couple programs. By the time I had left there, we had, I think about 12 or 13 different associate degrees and four or five, uh, bachelor degree programs. What a great we learning for you, huh? Oh, it was. It, it definitely, uh, I, you know, I I learned on the fly. I, you know, I was I was well-versed.
1: You always were like that, Stephen. You and he, you, you said half a sentence to you. That's all you needed to say it was half a sentence. You're like, okay, I got it. Next. Yeah. But, but, you, you know, they're smart, they're smart, they're smart. You know, and yeah. you picked and ran all the time, which is wonderful. And that's great. Yeah. And, and after that, you quickly went to Galen or you uh, –
0: well, no, I, I went right from Lincoln a little over four years. Right before, about nine months before I left there, they had made me uh, the national director for product development for online. <laughs> where I was uh, working with, the, with, with the, the, the company to roll out online initiatives through all their campuses. Um, but the opportunity at Galen came along. And after meeting the leadership there, I said, this is the place I want to be and it was the best career move I've ever made because I've been there eight years now. And, uh, wow, I didn't know that long, really? Yep, yep. And its I, I have no plans on leaving. It is a great organization. They Wonderful. are uh, just so committed to doing quality education. They know that our students, when our students graduate, lives are at stake. See, now, hold,
1: hold the phone, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> that is the perfect point for passion right there. Lives are at stake. Absolutely. And this isn't, isn't, you know, an ad campaign. No. This is lives are at stake.
0: Absolutely. Our students are going to be caring for us. They're going to be caring for our parents, our children. And, you know, we have to make sure that they're prepared to take care of these people when they graduate. It's amazing. And the whole organization is focused on that. My God. Now, we are proprietary education, but that's not our primary driver. Our primary driver is serving our communities.
1: Making a great product that's virtuous, that is within what I like to consider foolishly the nobility of education, which is the reason why I've stayed here for 32 years. The reason I started at McGraw. I fought to get to McGraw. To me, education in my house growing up was the noblest of professions. Now, you just said that your school is so committed because of (laughs) that it's actually serving humans, serving mankind. It's helping to keep people alive and well.
0: I mean, just to give you a little bit of an idea, our vision statement for the company is we change the lives of one to care for the lives of many. Beautiful. And that's, you know, keep it short and simple and to the point, And that's the truth. That's what we do.
1: And with, as you're seeing me today because of this wonderful little technology Zoom, see how gray I am? <laughs> Can you see how gray I am? Uh, I'm that last edge of Boomer. Um, my wife and I are the last years of the Boomers my brother-in-law is the first year of the boomers, right? So I'm watching him. He's about 10 years older than me, edge into it. And, you know, today uh, with me, my most uh, adventurous day is, oh, I have the orthopedist at one. And then I have the, uh... so you have this large population headed rapidly to your needs, to to the people that you're putting out. So there's no way that, this market space is ever gonna diminish for the next 20 to 25 years. The need for healthcare professionals.
0: No, uh, you're correct, it is a growing field, and uh, you know as our population continues to age, the need for quality healthcare is just gonna to continue to grow.
1: Yeah, and I think more of the upcoming employment population is gonna to head towards us. We're talking today with Steve Carnial, Senior Director of Online Learning,
0: Online Technology and Structural
1: tec- Design. Online Technology and Structural Design at Galen College of Nursing. He is also an LAU Post alumni of the IMA program from 2006. And, Steve, one of the things I wanted to jump into next is you have a new platform for learning. It's not new to you, but it's new to the world of education. How do students, do they easily take to it? Or do they resist it? And then we're going to get to faculty's use of this. Uh, well, our typical students are adults coming
0: back to work. They are uh, back to school. Excuse me. Um, so we're, we're not usually, we have some high school right out of high school graduates, but most of them are, are adults going back to school. A lot of first generation college students. Um, but, we actually we chose Canvas as our learning management system. Oh yeah, it's a great platform. It, it's a it's a phenomenal platform. Uh, it's a true Web 2.0 technology. Whereas I think a lot of the other LMSs that are out there have been around for so long, they've tried to adapt, uh, but it's just very intuitive. It's like Facebook for learning. I mean, it's that. It's fantastic. Intuitive. So I, I think that helps break down the barriers. We also are very purposeful in how we develop a course. We have a template that we use. We structure our content, where we align one learning unit per week, and then everything the students need in there is, is set up that way. So there's a unit overview, there's the content they need to watch, there's a, a discussion boards they need to participate, and there's potentially assignments each week as well that need to be submitted. So we create this format that's very easy to follow, and that's, that's obviously covered during a student orientation. And once they learn how to navigate one course, they can navigate all courses. Okay.
1: And is the interface user-friendly in the sense? You know, I've been through Moodle. I've been through, oh my God, Blackboard. I've been through a lot of these platforms. And I find that this, the, the interface itself, I understand if you do something 10 times, you will pick it up. But there's that hurdle in the start that can turn someone on or turn someone off. And saying that it's like Facebook for learning is a great point uh is that did you design it that way that it was so similar to what they've seen or did yeah. it pre-exist
0: well no it pre-existed so canvas uh actually came out of i think
1: uh, Boston University yeah yeah but um, I'm saying, can you customize? Uh,
0: well, there, there are, some, well, I can customize like the layout, the number of buttons on the left-hand side of a course and things like that. So we've tried to simplify it right. and use, mo- um, there's something in there called modules. Yeah. So we try to, so instead of having students hunt and peck for their assignments. That's
1: they're, my they're, point. Exactly.
0: Yeah. We, we do customize the, the classroom into the modules, which go, then breaks down to those units that we were talking about. So it's and, seamless. Yeah. It beca- it's very intuitive. I think, uh, you know, The first time you get in there, maybe you got to click a couple times, but you can figure it out, and then it's no problem.
1: And I think there's that arc of time to where you uh, need to figure it out. When that extends further or is too long, people will walk. Yeah. And you need to cut that back without losing the quality of the education.
0: We're very purposeful in making sure that nothing's more than three clicks deep.
1: There you go. There's the beautiful UX, coughing it right up. (laughs) Jacob Nielsen, who I can't stomach, but uh, Krug in his famous book, right? Don't make me think. And, you know, it's, it's amazing the difference between uh, people who really get it and people who want to challenge people to get to the spot. And it's just not really good. And speaking of challenging, what obstacles do you, hey, did you originally face? I don't think it was with students. I don't want to get into a very, uh, as Tina Fey calls it, a uh, landmine hopscotch. How have how has faculty embraced it? What's the deal?
0: So it, there was definitely challenges at the beginning. Um, it, it, it required a culture shift, and that's not something that you should take lightly. Uh, mm-hmm. Faculty who have been teaching for an extended period of time or used to teaching the way they do. Uh, they were educated differently, especially nurses. They were, you know, as, as you said, it's very hands-on, and our clinical right. and our labs are still hands-on and in person. Of course. Uh, but... When you have faculty who learned a certain way and then you're trying to teach them a new modality, there's definitely challenges there. But the, the, So what we did is we started working with the faculty who wanted to do this and were willing. We didn't force anybody to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and by starting with the faculty who were willing to embrace it, it creates a buzz and it, created, uh, it started the it started shift. Now all of a sudden, that faculty member instead of having to be at the campus five days a week, only has to be here three days a week. Well, another faculty member says, "Hey, I would like to do that. Maybe I should." <laughs> huge misconception. It is. Yeah. It, it's a huge misconception. It's true. And it's one of the first things that I always tell people when they say they want to teach online. I said, "It's great, but prepare to work at least as much as you work in teaching your ground courses." Exactly. Because even though it's asynchronous, if you are teaching a three-credit class, you're going to be the equivalent of three hours of contact in the classroom plus the additional prep you would normally do and the grading assignments. None of that changes except nope. it's no longer booked at a specific time slot They get to be at the campus.
1: Okay. Well, and, and to me, the, the reach is what makes it so amazing. As I said before, meeting these students, you remember, of course, a lot of students from Asia, a lot of students, you know, Korea, China, Taiwan, And also now Swedes and and meeting all these people, having them talk about different things that are going on as opposed to this isolation bubble that we're living in, especially today, to me is the most fantastic virtue of this. It, It really, really is. Well, it depends
0: on your degree. So our pre-licensure nursing, they still need to be near campus because they need to do their clinicals and labs. But our RN to BSN program, they really could be anywhere in the country and take it because that's 100% online.
1: Yeah, I'm just using you as a beginning catalyst of what could be done to save higher education. Oh, absolutely. To save it. To save it from going down a path where it's pricing itself out of business. Well, education as a whole is just... That's yeah, the, exactly, yeah. that's what I mean, Stephen. It's becoming
0: un, unreachable for most most people. I mean, it's such a something you just, you know,
1: it closes as go much the house. Absolutely. And if you go to the state, right, say because it's public structure, right? So, okay, I get it. Uh, but meanwhile, you have 300, 400 people in a class in the lecture halls. You even have a studio class where there's 20 to 30 people in it. And that's, I get it but how do you get the same learning? It's impossible. If you can't spend 20 minutes per class per student, 15 to 20 minutes per class per student talking to them, especially in the field of design where it is uh, not templated and whatever, learning falls apart. But if you can do it through this method and flipping, which is another thing I've always done go, go read and look at home and then we'll come in I just want to talk to you about what you saw what you read what you think and share that knowledge at 15 students 25 years ago AT&T had a commercial about this where they had this instructor with his little uh I don't know all dressed in black with a scarf and this is huge monitors and everybody's talking asynchronous transfer mode and some kid says uh well, what is jazz? And the teacher goes, that's a great question. And the point being is they were using technology in the commercial to communicate with students all over the world about topics and discussion, not, you know, individuals at home going through videos. And to me, that should be done at home and obviously can be done on the web today, beautifully and quickly, Khan Academy. But now the ability to bring all of these people into one space through digital technology and have these huge discussions to me that's the virtue of this not separating not isolating but bringing them together with ease and yes. that's what i see as the beauty of this in the, in the virtue of it and I we think- don't
0: just do uh videos you know we, we yes we use video
1: no 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 i'm not talking yeah. about no talking no i understand
0: that i'm just saying talking about the different modalities that are available yeah. to us we you know we do do web conferencing like we're doing right yeah. now with, with Wonderful. But that's optional for our students, but it allows for help sessions or meet the faculty or yeah, yeah. do work groups with students. Um, but our content uh, is interactive. We have branching scenarios, we have drag and drops and ordering exercises, and we have software simulation. I mean, there's all different types of things that we can do Absolutely. online that you can't even do in a classroom without, well, we're without get online to that. content.
1: Right, we're going to get to that in two minutes. Yeah. Uh, the if then statement, right, is the core of learning. Yeah. If then else end. I tried to teach my children that at a very, very early age. And of course, they said no. Uh, I think you're saying that students at certain age groups, I I do want to get back to that for a second when you get back to faculty. Yeah. uh, I'm going to say in looking at the diverse age groups that you teach and the diverse age groups out there today. uh, And in one of my books, I, I call about generation interactive. And I don't think Generation Interactive has to do with an age. I think it has to do with whether you get it or not. And in deploying the content, are you finding at any point that it's age group specific, get it? Or are you saying it's really just a quick arc that either you get this space, this interactive space, or you don't? Faculty um, and student, but let's talk about student.
0: Yeah, you, you know, um, I, I think the younger generation certainly will gravitate it gravitate towards it a little little easier because they've been immersed in it since their birth yeah Uh, so i mean there is something to be said for that but i mean i have faculty who yeah no i mean we have faculty who are retired you know have retired from working in the, the clinical areas or whatever and come back and teach and they take to it like fish the water so you know it really it so i think it's more on an individual level
1: yeah that's what i really believe, Steve.
0: yeah and and i think there's a you know some people it just comes easier to but if anybody is committed to learning it, they can do it because we make it so easy i mean we don't we actually follow a master course format we work with our faculty and, and the and the instructional design team to create a master course that we know aligns to all the learning outcomes that we've set forth in the course and that we give that as a starting point for the faculty so, and then we have them add their own um, of course, content, content. Yeah, sure. and we give them some easy tools to do that, such as like Tex Mc3 like Camtasia Studio, things that are really easy for them to just, you know, click and hit record. It's and never about the technology. It's getting the technology out of the way is what, uh, is what makes this tangible for people.
1: And successful for everyone. Yes. Yeah. Everybody, you know, they know people like us and they always think, and this is what I always love. Oh, he's a computer guy. You know, and I just shook my head. Uh, yeah, that's what I do. No, <laughs> I like to think I'm an educator who's using technologies to go as far as I can.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And if you make it simple, then people can use it. And that's really okay. what you need to do is just get the technology out of the way, and it's just a, another tool in your toolbox, as much as you would use uh, a marker on a walkboard uh, on a
1: whiteboard or like. Chalk. Yeah, old well, I was. My answer was chalk. Yeah, <laughs> 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 was a marker on a whiteboard. Uh, I don't want to be in the same area anymore. I'm going to start changing questions here sure. because I, I, uh, I, I we've gone pretty well through all the way here, but I do want to come. This is the one I really want to talk about is next steps for online education. And you, foolish, you know, I haven't spoken to you in how many years, Steve? I mean, you know, we say hello once in
0: a while, but it's been, a, yeah.
1: it's been a while. No discussion. No, no real you know. close to 10 years. Right. And the first thing I say to you is, what about AR and VR? You go, I, I just went to a seminar on that the other day. No, no I had a meeting with, 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 yeah, with yeah. a faculty member who had just come back
0: from a, sen- a seminar talking about um, AR and VR in, in nursing education. I go
1: back to Adam, A period, D period, A period, M period, the CD-ROM. One of the first times they talked about, you know, physiology and everything on a CD-ROM where you could actually. This I has got that in my file cabinet right behind me. Exactly. <laughs> so like AR and VR, I'm going to just say it out loud, augmented reality and virtual reality. Uh, a lot of people just hear the letters and get all excited and don't really know how to possibly break or, or realistically break it down so that it fits The discipline fits the usage, fits the end user. And uh, a lot of people are jumping towards augmented reality in education because it seems to be simpler with platforms like Layer, where you can upload the image and then you deploy to uh, video or whatever you wish. And then VR. And a lot of people are saying VR has a long way to go before it becomes practical. My belief is VR in classroom, in clinical or lab structures, is going to be the Bunsen burner of the 21st century. Anytime you went into a chemistry or bio lab, you put on goggles. No, it's... It to be a phone strap on the front.
0: And it it could also help, uh, you know, the reason why we were talking about it was, is that we wanted to do some virtual reality for some of the... uh, Things that they practice in the clinical learning labs. Exactly. Because the supplies are so expensive. So like, exactly. There you go. There's the connection. And inserting inserting a uh, an NG tube, for example. I mean, every time they do that, they got to crack open a new package, and you know, and maybe crack. a new person. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> we have uh, these high fidelity uh, uh, mannequins that actually simulate and make all types of bodily noises and things like that. It's amazing yeah. what these things can do. So you know, they can practice on these types of uh, devices. Westworld.
1: West, what do Westworld on HBO?
0: Oh yes, yes, exactly. Yes, <laughs> yes, it's, it's It's not far off. Yeah, it's not exactly. far off. So the, so they, but it's still very expensive to do this, and you know, you want to have open lab time to let students practice In this stuff over today. and over again. So that's where I think virtual virtual reality can be—not to replace it, but to allow for repetition and, yes. use it over and over again.
1: Take a look at what area of cost can be diminished down to where the cost can be put back into the main. Uh, learning scenario right yeah. not to replace but to support and underpin the true goal
0: so and, seven and eight years ago you know second life was all the buzz yeah right? everybody wanted to bring second life to the classroom uh we had looked at it um by both organizations that i've been at where, where i'm doing online and not that there weren't some great applications but the development time and then the technology requirements and then ensuring that students have the sufficient technology to be able to interact in the proper fashion are, are huge hurdles. And, you know, I I think for like the VR, if you can do an installation type thing where you've got that set up, right? uh, Like, especially if like in a clinical learning lab or something that can be something that can be very manageable. If you're going to start doing this at a distance allowing students to do v r or a r from home there's a lot more challenges there, and supporting yeah. that is definitely something that needs to be looked at and
1: considered well, Things like second life where the 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 soldier who lays on the barbed wire so the next crew can put their foot on him and jump over. Yeah. You know, they suffered the the pains of pioneers and pioneers how uh, do you know who the pioneer is that's the guy with the arrows in his back I, Guess I went to
0: the first time I heard of Second Life, I went to – or I'd actually seen it used in education, I should say. I went to a conference at Stony Brook, mm. and there was a sociology faculty member doing a presentation where she used Second Life to uh, – she gave every student in her class uh, an avatar of the Kool-Aid man. You know, wow, you know, or whatever he does, busting <laughs> through the walls. Right? And he had all 25 of these people go into a, a, a nightclub. And dance and interact. So, at first, when they go in there, all uh, 20 people, everybody's pointing at them, hey, look at all the Kool Aid guys, right? And there was this big novelty, and everybody thought it was hysterical. But then they're interacting with people, and they're bumping into walls, and they're bumping into people because they're oversized. <laughs> and then she used this as a lesson of how obese people feel in society. <clears throat> I thought that was brilliant. Where's my royalties? Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was a, a brilliant lesson and a great use of the technology. It was, yes. Yeah, yeah, and that, is, that story has stuck with me um, of just the potential of what you can do. And, and but it
1: also how to really see what parts of the technology can be blown out used and really like, instead of like, uh, I talk to people, teachers about second life. And they're like, yeah, this one kid shows up like as a snake and the other. And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> but here you have a teacher going, okay, how can I change the avatar to give them what it feels like? Right. And by using the Kool-Aid guy, very funny, non-prejudice in any way, hysterical different flavors of kool-aid right she probably did everything uh, uh, yeah Kool-Aid. i don't know
0: about that we didn't get into that part well right? you know i'm talking about yeah
1: colors, but the, yeah colors,
0: right? and they eventually got thrown out of the out of the, the the dance club you know that was what ended up happening
1: to all the group <laughs> what so, a great answer yeah so that's kind of the ar world and little vr i guess right kind of combined second life yeah but, but uh, uh, in a real space right yeah yes yeah. I, I think uh the, one of my prior students at Usdamp, I met this young man, Alex Sussman. He's going to be on this podcast as well. I, I, had, I met this kid when he was 15. He was, he came into my game design class. He sat down. He was 16, 15 years old. He took two monitors. One he was building in Macintosh. The other one he was coding in, in uh, Linux. And he sat there within the first weeks of the class and rebuilt the game Limbo. From just scratch. Uh, He then became, uh, whatever, an assistant with me. And then for a couple of years, and then he went on to MassArt. And while at MassArt, he focused on coding and, of course, design and game. MIT heard of him. MIT drafted him from MassArt. And what did they put him in? VR. VR for Alzheimer's patients. Wow. So CBS, see, there's a reason for the stories. CBS Sunday News, he sends me a link. Hey, Pat, take a look at what the project I've been working on. And I'm like, oh, my God, this 15-year-old kid. Now he's at MIT doing VR for Alzheimer's patients. And the way it brought them back to their hometown, to their early days, and to make them stir the memories, and that was the focus of the project, but to also bring them around the world, being that they couldn't really do that anymore. And this was a great use of VR, but it was really, you can see it, I'll send you the link. It was a really weird uh, video of all of these 70-plus-year-olds wearing the headgear. And the headgear to me, like Google Glass, that to me was VR headgear. The, The big strap with the, the phone and everything; these are the obstacles I see, and that
0: no, no it, it definitely is. And then having to support that, oh yeah, especially at distance, can be very challenging. So, you know, I think there's still challenges to implementing this, especially for use in an online environment. Not unsurmountable, but it's definitely yeah.
1: time. Time has Money. to go by. Yeah, it's
0: it's uh, it's a curve. You know, it, it just like there was a curve to get faculty to adopt adopt, uh, online education, you know, this is another area where there's going to and be.
1: And also technology. Now I want to, the, the use of technology curve, uh, look at what we're doing right now, right? Because an analog, primarily an analog, We may want to call this board next to me digital, but it's got, you know, it's analog because the analog somehow uh, did not work this morning. I'm a, you quickly jumped in and said, let me just send you a zoom link and here we are. As this becomes accepted, ease of use, and anybody can do this, right, Uh, that's going to run really forward. The same thing with VR, right? Once it becomes like they're showing today where workers in factories are at distance, uh, we'll have Google Glass on. It's the way it's being deployed today. If you want to access the manual or support, you can do it in the field through Google Glass, right? But that's only because of the backbone of the web. True? Correct. Without that backbone being truly supported because it is the commerce of today. Train tracks are gone. Oil is gone. All of these analog methods are dissipating. You have Elon Musk. You have, uh, what's it called? Hyperlink? Not hyperlink. It's uh, the new transit system Elon Musk was working on. Yeah, I just saw that. Yeah. Uh, no, I was just reading it this morning, but yeah. whatever. These kind of things are making huge changes. The new economy is being driven by the web. We all know that, and that's why we're talking about online ed. Without that strong web structure, that infrastructure, it's gone too, right? True. It's yeah. a problem. Well, we'll see so, what happens yeah. now with the loss of net neutrality. Next words good. out of my mouth, Stephen. Yeah. What's we gonna do there? What's we gonna do when the well runs dry? What are we gonna do? I, I, you know, the the the. the this down- is controlling the economy. Oh, yeah. So I the mean, only reason for this.
0: Yeah, and this is also a step in stripping away freedoms. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, because, you and know, it's with throttling Netflix, and the next thing you know, they're restricting, and you can't view Netflix. Okay, well, that's just entertainment, but what about when that starts? It doesn't
1: matter. It's they start filtering
0: out news sources or, uh, really? you know, yeah, the, 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 the dangerous slope we could be heading down right now. And we
1: are. And yeah. I'm not, you know, listen, I'm too old to almost give a shite. But we are this oh, no. this uh, I don't know if you were in the class with uh, Jenna Shanker Shanker. She was an Emmy Award winner, a TV production person, a young woman uh, young in you know my age group. Uh, she was Emmy award winner. She used the fire platform for editing. She, i was local, local local. Yeah. She was, uh, my <laughs> point being is that she uh, I would always talk about this. I would actually draw on the whiteboard. The, the fiber and say, once they choke this fiber off, you know, no one, you know, as, uh, you know, remember Lori Dunn? Lori Dunn used to call him Pat Talks, not Ted Talks. You guys would stare at me like, what in God's name is he talking about? Jenna came in with pages of the New York Times magazine stapled together in 2003 or 2004 and said, everything you've been talking about is here. It was Freeman's book, The World is Flat. And I'm looking at it going, yeah, this is exactly what's been stirring around in my brain. And now his new book, Thank You for Being Late, it's showing this arc of time and how we have had so much web in our lives now. Uh, And some people may embrace the loss of net neutrality, may embrace the slowing down. They don't know what's really happening, but they don't jump up and scream. They don't get it going too fast.
0: Now they, they don't they don't understand the ramifications. Right.
1: They really don't. Yeah. And 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 nobody, its effect on education and all the virtuous stuff, not just Netflix.
0: No, I was just using Netflix
1: cuz everybody likes Netflix. Oh, of course. It, yeah. It's
0: it's everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, of course. Yeah. Now that's a it's a it's a scary time we're heading
1: into. And the effect of on the economy growth. This is like saying and this goes all the way back to, I think, the J.P. Morgans and all of those people who own the railroads. The, the net today is similar to the railroads of the late 1800s and early 1900s. When you control those railroads, you control how commerce moves across the country of the world. Absolutely. And the lines that they're controlling today is controlling whether or not commerce or content, which is the same thing today, can be deployed to free markets and people can grow. Uh, I don't want to take up more of your time because we've been doing this for about 40 minutes, which is I really do appreciate that, Stephen. I, I really appreciate over. your time. Uh, I want to reintroduce you before we segment into the last block. And uh, today we were speaking with Steve Carnial, Senior Director of Online Technology and Instructional Design at Galen College of Nursing, author of Preparing for a Career in Media and Design, published by Pearson Prentice Hall. LAU post-IMA alumni, class of 2006. And today's topic has been the future of online education. And we've touched on things such as uh, the use of AR, VR, adoption by students, by faculty, overall curriculum, how you've built it really truly from the ground up, Steve, and you really need to be commended for that. You've been in this for over a decade, right? Yes. And this has been the decade of the growth of online education. And you should be kind of heralded as one of the people who's pioneered this. It's not easy to start something new. Well, well, thank you. I appreciate that. No, I'm uh, serious. You're... Many times, many times we don't know who we are. <laughs> You know what i was trying to say? Many times in our family, sometimes reinforced that belief that we don't know who we are. <laughs> no, I have a very supportive family. Yes, you do, sir. Yeah. Yes, you do. Stephen, I really want to thank you. And whatever you want to add at this point, please do as kind of a wrap up to what we've talked about today.
0: Uh, well, one thing I wanted to mention was, because we were talking about nursing education and uh, the role that it fills and, and how important it is because lives are at stake, one of the things that uh, Galen has done recently, and you know, we talk about online and how it opens up and, and creates opportunities and tremendous growth, with, but we've also gone much more micro as well. And we're actually, we opened up a, a satellite campus in Hazard, Kentucky, which uh, for those of you who don't know what that is, because I didn't know what it was. Uh, it's a very small town that used to be a coal town where the coal okay. mines got shut down and they have very high unemployment, uh, very high rates of people on, uh, on, on, on Medicaid and uh, public assistance. Um, it was actually featured uh, recently in an article yes, said, yes. Uh, sure. yeah uh, as one of the towns that uh, with you know with the medicare and medicaid cuts would affect but one of the things that they have trouble doing there is attracting nurses and uh because it is a, a small retired coal <coughs> town so we actually partnered with the co- with the hospital system there to open up they provide the space and we the classroom space and we're doing remote classrooms there now so we've got lab set up there. We have uh, a whole video set up and we can actually remote in our faculty from our Louisville campus into the classroom there and we're help serving this community to educate them, to retrain them, and then to provide them with nurses after they graduate. So we're filling two. And this, this
1: one, oh, you? it's...
0: The, uh, we've got uh, Dr. Audrea Denker uh, has a, had a contact out there. Uh, we're
1: working with the mayor of the town. So this has so many wins built into it. It's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. We're, we're serving having a it. test module to see how this works in probably the perfect place to test it, right? The town yes. is winning. Galen's winning. The people are winning. The students are winning. And all based on the ability for technology to do this.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and, and this was about serving the community. Yes, yes. and there's another we're one. We're not going to enroll 1,000 students in Hazard, Kentucky. No, if, right, right, right. This is, this is about... Filling a need and doing something for the people of Kentucky. So now, so, how do you
1: how do you reach out and get support for this from the big farmers of the world, or do you do that? Well, we're not involved, really. With, with no, I know you're not. I'm yeah. just asking. Is that, you know, if this virtue existed uh, that you and Galen and, and this team showcase, imagine if that virtue truly is existed through the Pfizer's and the 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 shines and the other big farmer names and how well they could support and help this and help humanity.
0: It, 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 you're, you're talking about a cultural shift in the country. I mean, it's not, you know, <laughs> a, the entire industry. And I don't know if that plays well with stockholders.
1: No, I'm with you. <laughs> Cause dude. this
0: is not a, a you know, this isn't a profit making thing. This is a community based thing.
1: Okay. So we don't I, have, I don't know. We don't have I have five more hours to debate that. Yeah. Well, I think anytime you have healthy humans in a society, it's profit. But that doesn't work quarter to quarter. No. And I, I agree <laughs> with you, Matt.
0: I agree with you that you need to have that longer term vision of what the long term impact is on your business and society. And society. And society. But that doesn't always play well from quarter to quarter. You're right. When you're, right. You, when you're a stockholder. So even when you, you have know, the
1: Warren Buffett's saying they care about this.
0: Yeah. Uh, You know, Amazon probably is an example of a a company that does think of that long-term vision Mm -hmm. because they didn't worry about the next quarter stock prices. They worried about, you know, they wanted to be the biggest retailer in in online. And And voila. Yeah, exactly.
1: Steven, one of the other points we wanted to talk about is how do you determine outcomes, especially through uh, distance learning? And and is it easier to do? Is it more difficult? Give me a little background on that.
0: So the instructional design process, when we're working in a course, we we have unit level, course level, and then programmatic outcomes. It's the same whether you're teaching a ground course or an online course. And we mirror our online courses to match our ground courses. So we start with the curriculum. We start with the syllabus. We start with our learning outcomes. And we have this extensive mapping process that we go through from starting out with the outcome and then our media and our assessment to demonstrate through basically it's just an Excel spreadsheet, but we, uh, that how we are hitting all those outcomes so that we can easily draw a parallel to the ground course. The crediting body asks, well, how do you know that this course really is a four credit course or uh, that you've achieved these outcomes? I can very clearly illustrate that. and And that's, the, the, the key to designing an online course is to make sure that you start out with these foundations of your learning outcomes and a good mapping process and you build up from there.
1: Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, it does it quickly. Since you're online, since the data is all there, do you think it helps that you can now quickly transfer that data? You know what I mean? Into an evaluative, you know, outcome assessment and then it's reconfigure.
0: Yeah, it's not as quick as you think because uh, you still have to mine lots of
1: data points. Well, we, hold on one second. The reason I just say that is we do outcome assessments, of course, yeah. and I keep a rubric on every grade. And I'm going to, if I live longer, uh, establish a relational database right for that rubric so I can quickly generate those percentages. Right. That, and I'm doing that in my little lonesome on Google Docs at home. But that's what my, really my point is. How quickly, once you've gone digital, does it help? To it, the structure could be set up that once grading is done, the rubric is evaluated, and that quickly gives you a form or a quick summary of what areas need to be taken a look at.
0: Yeah, and it, it's very important to be able to do that, especially in nursing education, because yes. the, the the state requirements for our graduates is 80%, License, right? Uh, well, yeah, but eighty percent of our students have to pass their NCLEX exam on the first attempt. Ooh. You can't wait until students graduate to find out if they're going to pass that exam or not.
1: That's how they fail as a college. That's how they fail as a nurse. That's, and just that's – yeah, that's a tough bar.
0: Wow. It's a very tough bar, and we are about a 90% pass rate right now mm-hmm. uh, you know, across all of our campuses. And our um, – we have an, an incredible institutional effectiveness department. Where all we do is these stats, we have, uh, we do a lot of standardized testing that we've both built internally and then we use resources that are out there as well, um, you know, that, that are for nursing. Um, and we, we check these students all along the way. We adjust our curriculum constantly to find our deficiencies and to, to address them in the classroom before the students graduate.
1: Fantastic.
0: Yeah, no, it, it really, the, the, the academic rigor in our program is incredible and uh it's we have to be that focused. we are single purpose all we do is nursing education right, yeah. so we have no choice but to do it as best as it can be done
1: yeah there's no percentages going yeah it's not really affecting the bigger percentage of the college base so we don't know you're there that's it this is like our eggs are all in one basket yeah a <laughs> little austin powers rep uh, and that's amazing and steve this has been so much fun i hope it has been for you absolutely uh my boys enjoyed talking to you, and to see you 10 or 12 years, how old are you now? I'm in my mid-40s. <laughs> I'm 44. Uh, a lot of my kids, uh, a lot of my students are 44 now, 45. My oldest ones are 52, 53. Uh, I started teaching, and that kid was only 10 years younger than I. And my little cherubic face, it was like Baker with Redford, where he had a clap. You know? <laughs> Uh, yeah. Security used to come in and say, Where's the teacher? In nineteen eighty-eight and I said, Yeah, over here. When I, Look I first at started
0: you. Te- Look at you, yeah. When I first started teaching, I was in my mid-20s and I had <laughs> students who were anywhere from two to thirty years older than me. Younger than me as well, but uh, you know.
1: <laughs> it, it that's why I'm saying it's great to talk to you because even though we have this 20-year age difference. We have always, and a lot of the students I've been so fortunate over the years to deal with, my IMAers, as I say to them every time I interview them on this, you will always, always be an IMAer to me because you broke ground that few people break. And when I did put up that the program was being closed, uh, Jenny Reeves, uh, and I think it may have been Selena, Selena, uh, uh, Selena Nanu, uh, both the comment they put up,
0: all right, well, you know, R- Rob Dorn, who was also an ima yeah. works with me at Galen. Sure. He has been my partner in launching, uh, you know, what we've done here um, at, at Galen and online. And he's been my – he's my senior multimedia specialist here. Amazing. And he has put the – you know, brought the level of the quality of the production quality that he produces.
1: Well, that's what he did. I mean, always did. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, you know, when he, his, I don't remember his thesis project, but he did yeah. a, uh, a, a game of yes. a medieval castle and you would yes. explore it to learn about
1: Absolutely. living in medieval times.
0: And, you know, so right again, back into your VR world.
1: Um, and this was 10, 12 years ago. Yes.
0: Yeah, 12 years ago, he was doing this. So he wrote a textbook also on uh, 3d studio max. So, you know, we've, it's, it's more you know, bringing this quality yeah. to what we do and elevating the game. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, all of it started at the IMA program. It really, well, yeah. I
1: and mean, that wasn't, thank you, but it it's really, not
0: a, it's not a plug. It's reality.
1: Yeah. It's no longer existence because it's well, not a plug. Well, I understand <laughs> but you but, know, uh, you it's, 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 to,
0: it's amazing yeah. where you, how you, where you end up with, you know, in your path. When I went to college, my job didn't exist. Exactly.
1: You know, one of the last things I wanted to say to you was uh, it's been such a treat to deal with you guys over the years. Uh, the, the list is up to 150 that I can grab on Excel and just say, look at where they are, and it's a fantastic thing. I, I really want to thank you again for today. Uh, I'm going to roll, roll out of this the way I was trying to roll out before. Uh, the last segment I call is pencils down. Uh, What have we learned today? And from talking to Steve Carniol, Senior Director of Online Technology and Instructional Design at Galen College of Nursing, and the author of Preparing for a Career in Media Design published by Pearson Prentice Hall. Today, what we've learned from him is, I don't think you're gonna stop online ed. I don't think anybody, no matter how they go kicking and screaming into that good night, this has too many virtues. I am envious of you, Stephen. First of all, you're 44 handsome and thin and have a supportive family. I could stop right there. But you're truly in education in a beautiful, virtuous manner. What you are doing is helping the health and uh, well-being of a society through your efforts. And nothing, I could imagine, helps you get out of bed in the morning more and go to work knowing that your efforts are helping humans and are helping society, and you're using something you love to do that, and you're maybe changing economies in states like Kentucky. You may be taking them out of the coal mines and putting them in to the hospitals to help and and help society. That's a wonderful thing you're doing. So you really have kind of worked. I was going to say landed. No, you worked your way to this, and you should be commended for that. Stephen, is there any way to contact you is there any way that you'd like to promote at the end? Here?
0: Yeah. The, well, you can always check out what Galen is doing at galencollege.edu. That's G A L E N college.edu. And there's some samples under there on, on the website of some of the online course content that we've created. Uh, I can also be contacted directly through LinkedIn,
1: Steve yes, C- Carnial,
0: Carniol. Yes. See C A R N I O L. And, uh, I'm always happy to talk with anybody who wants some career advice or, uh, you know, just wants to get on zoom and just talk about the state of the industry. I mean, this is, I always learn from these events.
1: I think this is wonderful. Steve, thank you so much. Really. I, uh, it was great to talk to you today and I, I love doing this podcast and now that four are up on iTunes, this will be five. And next week is Brian Shields. I shouldn't say next week. This is nonlinear, but the next episode or an ep- upcoming episode is Brian Shields. He's a New York times bestselling author. And we're going to talk about, uh, there's a new game out, I don't know if you've seen it, Active Shooter. I haven't.
0: Oh, is that the one with, in the schools? Yes. Yeah, I, re- I read about that. I haven't yes. seen it.
1: And the president, or whatever you want to call him, of Steam, you know, Valve is their release for the products. Yes. And we will keep it up because it's not determined by our censorship. It's determined by the marketplace. Yeah. And we're going to talk about how these children are veal. Uh,
0: I will uh, definitely check that out and uh, thank you for the privilege of being part of such a a great lineup of podcasts.
1: Thank you very much, dude. I really appreciate it. Rock. Paper. Pixels.
0: Like what you hear? Here's how you can let us know. Give us a call at 516-299-2626 or email us at info at wcwp.org. Like us at facebook.com slash mywcwp and leave a comment or tweet us at mywcwp. We welcome all kinds of feedback. To directly support the podcast you just enjoyed, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to give back, visit wcwp.org and click the support tab. Thanks for listening from your friends at WCWP.